Now I'm going to invite you to please pray with me. Thank you for sharing that, Tim, and you're going to be hearing more about these things as we move forward, and it applies directly to my sermon. So as we come to the living word, Lord God, take my words and speak through them. Take our hearts and speak to them. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to bring conviction to our hearts through your word, to initiate healing and transformation in our lives, all for the glory of the great name of Jesus. Amen. Confidence is the theme that jumped out at me as I considered our scriptures for this morning. Confidence, a certainty about someone or something, a feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something, confidence. I love the confidence that we see in little children as they grow into their little identities and declare, I do this myself. That's the way my children would say it. I do this myself, and you know that they can't as you watch them. A great example is a child with a pitcher of milk. I do this myself. You know what's going to happen. Some way, shape, or form, you've got milk everywhere. When things go wrong for adults who have confidence, for teenagers, for young adults who have confidence in life, when things go wrong, one experiencing hardship, confidence is really difficult to regain. Again, I turn to an analogy with children. I taught coach pitch baseball when my kids were little, when my boys were little. And they're learning to hit off of a tee. Now a ball's flying at them. And inevitably, the ball hits some of the children, whether coach pitch softball or baseball. You know how hard it is to get that child back in there. Here, let me throw another one at you. They stand there, and then they jump out of the way. They had confidence because... Well, Coach Bill was throwing them right down the middle, but as soon as Coach Bill hit them, there was no confidence. So it is with life. When things happen, we can quickly lose confidence. As we look at confidence this morning in our readings, we're going to have three points. We're going to first look at King David. Then we're going to look at sin and shame. And finally, we're going to talk about Jesus and faith. So we opened our service this morning with Psalm 130, reciting it back and forth together, where King David's confidence is on full display. Now, this is the king of Israel speaking. He was anointed to be king when he was just a young shepherd, the shepherd boy who became a mighty warrior, confidently taking on Goliath, the giant warrior of the Philistines. David was a model of confidence, but he was not confident in himself. Okay, he probably was confident in himself, but that's not the source of his confidence. The source of his confidence was the Lord. Before killing Goliath, David declared, You have defied the Lord, the God of Israel. Today the Lord will deliver you into my hand. His confidence was in the Lord alone. And we see that same confidence in our Psalm 130 this morning. David cried out, From the depths of despair I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the sound of my pleas for mercy. Does this sound like someone who's confident? Clearly, someone who's struggling. 
David continues, I wait for the Lord. There's no question here. He declares it. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits with longing. And I put my hope in his word. My soul waits for the Lord more than centuries wait for the morning. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. He says, my whole being waits with longing. He's in the depths of despair, waiting with longing. Doesn't sound like he just got there or he found God's deliverance right away. There's a longing. He's been there a while. But yet, he did not lose hope. It's there that he declares, I will wait for you, no matter how long it takes, because I am confident in you, Lord. Just as I know the dawn will arrive, I'm confident in you, Lord, that you will be with me. My Lord, my salvation, my God. The king's confidence is not in himself. He knew he was a sinner, only in the Lord. In the third part of that psalm, where David declared, if you, O Lord, should record our sins, O Lord, who could bear it? He knows he's broken. He knows he's a sinner. But... But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. Unfailing love is found with the Lord and with him is full redemption. King David's example is of total confidence. Not in himself, not in circumstance, but in the Lord. And then in the same psalm, he identifies the ultimate enemy of any confidence, sin. And this brings us from our first point, King David, to our second point, sin and shame. When you think of the power of sin, I'm guessing many things come to mind. Failure, shame, regret, fear, anxiety, insecurity, the power of sin. Very quickly, you recognize that sin, sin before God, can lead to a total loss of confidence. Confidence in anything. When we fail, well, what, what would help me not to fail again if I failed once? Our confidence is shattered when we fail. Remembering our passage from Genesis chapter 3, which detailed the first sin, the first act of mankind disobeying against God, their first failure against the Lord, we see the power of sin. So in the garden, Adam and Eve are very self-confident. They have nothing to fear. There is no sin. They have a perfect union with God, walking with them, talking with them. Nothing had ever gone wrong. There's no fear. Pure innocence. Now, It goes from verse to verse. They had that, and then Eve was created, and then they sinned. But I'm guessing they lived that way some time. For some length of time, they experienced that incredible living relationship that we were created for with God. Walking with the Lord, talking with Him, experiencing His divine love, His presence with them, caring for each other, living as their partners in life. And then... There was temptation and disobedience and sin, and everything changes. First thing, they hide from God because they now know they're naked. They hide from each other. They sow fig leaves. Genesis 2.25, right before our reading, 
in Genesis 3. Genesis 2.25 said they were naked and not ashamed. How quickly that changed. Now they're naked and feeling shame. There's shame in their nakedness, so they cover themselves. They go from innocent to ashamed, from self-conscious, from no self-consciousness to total self-consciousness. They're afraid of God because they're naked. They're embarrassed. There's fear. The power of sin. For the first time, they experience God's displeasure. They're kicked out of the garden. Life will no longer be easy. Pain in childbirth. Pain in farming. Pain from the land. What do you think the self-confidence was like then as they left the garden? After having that perfect relationship with God, now it's all gone. Do you imagine a little cycle of shame or regret? You did that, you did that, you did that as they're walking out of the garden. But not funny. Tragic. No confidence in anything. No confidence in God to help. What have we done? We all experience that. One point or another. King David experienced that. What have I done? When you remember King David's confidence from Psalm 130, this is after his sexual sin with Bathsheba. Adultery. Then he had her husband murdered. And Nathan confronted him. That's Psalm 51. We're in Psalm 130. Yet he has confidence in the Lord in whom? In whom? is life, hope, provision, forgiveness, restoration. The only one worthy of our confidence. There is hope in the Lord. There is hope and redeeming from the power of sin in Jesus Christ. And we come to our final point, Jesus and faith. Mark chapter 3 puts Jesus' confidence, his own confidence, on full display. He knew who he was. God the Son. He has no fear or anxiety at all. As he walks through his mission, and as the most powerful men in Israel, the Jewish religious leaders, are attacking him, continually seeking to undermine, discredit, and harm him. If you want to follow along, we're now going to be on page 838 in your pew Bibles. Mark chapter 3, page 838. The religious leaders are accusing Jesus of being out of his mind. Verse 22. He's possessed by Beelzebul, the king of demons. By the prince of demons, he casts out demons. They're saying he's nuts. And in verse 27, Jesus tells a parable. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. It can't be that Satan's divided against Satan. But we see his bottom line in verse 27. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then he indeed, then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus has confidence that he is God the Son. He has power to bind 
the strong man. He has power to release the prisoners from captivity, to forgive sin, to heal physically, to send demons away. Jesus affirms his authority and his identity. I have that power, he's saying. Jesus' confidence is supreme. Again, grounded in his triune relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's sourced in the Lord, not in anything else. And then we see the confidence of the crowds that they have in Jesus. They've heard about Jesus, that he has power over evil spirits, over the evil one, power to heal. And it says, a great crowd followed him in verse 7. And this, we've got a map. It says, from Galilee and Judea. You see Galilee up there, Judea, way down at the bottom. From Jerusalem and Idumea, from beyond the Jordan, from around Tyre and Sidon, all the way up at the top. So they came from everywhere to see Jesus, who is in the region of Galilee. To give you an idea, from Judea to Galilee is about 100 miles. They've walked a long way from everywhere. Do you think they had confidence in Jesus' power to heal? Do you think they were excited about Jesus? They mult- the multitudes arrive, and yet, less than three years later, those same multitudes cry out, crucify him. Crucify him. We want nothing to do with him. Crucify him. How can that be? Where was their confidence now? I submit to you, this is an example of faith based on external circumstances as contrasted with faith in who God is, the Lord who never abandons, who's with you in all circumstances. Faith in circumstances, faith in who God is, the Lord. We have before us Two kinds of faith, the crowd's faith based in their external circumstances and David's faith grounded in the Lord himself. The crowd is happy and confident as long as they're getting what they want. As long as it meets with their expectations, they're happy to follow Jesus, but when circumstances change, they fall away. Faith in God based on external circumstances does not last. If your faith in Jesus is based on circumstance, it will not last. It will not endure. King David's faith was based on who God is, the Lord, the Redeemer. He declared it unfailing love, full of redemption, who God is. And that redemption that David spoke about, now being revealed in Jesus Christ, God's gift of total redemption from sin, Forgiveness. This is faith with endures, which endures, which sustains one in life's difficulties, which will not fail. This is faith which is light in every darkness that you may experience, no matter what happens, no matter the circumstance. As David could trust when he was without hope, seemingly. He could trust in the Lord, so can you. 
This is the faith that Paul describes in our reading from 2 Corinthians 4. He's talking to the church in Corinth. And our reading began, since we have the same spirit of faith. Paul's confident of the church's possession of true faith, but he says the same spirit of faith. He compares it with something. Same as what? What does the same refer to? Well, we read two verses last week. A few verses before our reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which declare the faith that Paul is referring to, where Paul said, we are always carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. So that, he goes on to say again, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What's their faith based on? We are burying in our bodies the life of Jesus. We are carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus. It's not in circumstance. It's in who God is, who Jesus is. And it will be manifest, revealed, made clear, even in our sinful bodies. That's remarkable. That's an act of God that We who are never perfect on our own, only through forgiveness in Jesus Christ, restored in him, can then reflect him to the world. He will use everyone who will bow their knee to Jesus. And he will be manifest, made clear, displayed. This is Paul's supreme faith in Jesus Christ. Mirroring King David's supreme faith and confidence in the same Lord. The faith which endures regardless of circumstance. Their confidence was unwavering. Recall the crowds. As circumstances changed, their confidence and faith disappeared. How did that happen? The power of sin. As they felt let down, as they didn't get what they wanted, they wanted Jesus to be this king. Their king, the way they pictured it, as they didn't get what they wanted, they were let down. They perhaps experienced fear from the Jewish authorities who were against Jesus. They perhaps experienced regret as they turned from Jesus or anger and jealousy as they looked at Jesus, as they were swayed by the wisdom of the world, the power of sin. As their circumstance changed, they lost confidence. They fell away. The power of sin will strip away weak faith, faith that doesn't have roots, Faith without a solid foundation, and the only solid foundation for faith is the Lord, not circumstance. Jesus had the power to bind the strong man, the devil, and plunder his house, but the devil remains on earth. He gives us all his power and authority, and we live in broken, sinful bodies. The already we are redeemed, the not yet we are not yet complete. The enemy continues to use sin to remove our confidence in God when we struggle, when circumstances change. The enemy continues to use circumstance to remove weak faith in Jesus. When we fall, when we sin, Tim was talking about sexual sin, whatever our sin is, whatever our regret is, Whatever we fail, whether it's experiencing the power of sin in the world, tragedy, brokenness, someone else's sin that impacts our lives, 
takes a loved one. Violence. Apart from Jesus, that sin will lead you to feel that God has abandoned you. He will lead you to, the enemy will lead you to feel you are not worthy of God. You are too terrible. He'll fill you with shame and regret. Apart from the life of Jesus in you, he will rip you away from your faith. You need God residing in you for faith to survive. It has to be grounded in him. And we are not created to do it alone. We need the body of Christ around us when we are at those lows where we can be known and confess to one another, I've sinned and I'm not worthy of anything to have the body of Christ say, but in Christ you're forgiven and we will stay with you. In Christ you are renewed You don't have to stay down and spiral down. You need faith grounded in who God is, and you need each other, the body of Christ. Where does your confidence reside? Where is your faith based? Is it in circumstances, or is it in the Lord, who he is? Is your faith grounded like David's or is it swayed by the winds of circumstance? By God's power in us, it does not have to be that way. David declared, there is forgiveness with you, Lord, so that, we may, so that you may be revered. Unfailing love is found with the Lord and with him full redemption. That's the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Only in Christ, with faith in him will you have full redemption, unshakable confidence, true faith, and will Jesus Christ, God's life in you, be manifest and revealed to the world for his glory and for the changing of lives, for the restoring of other broken lives who can find no hope in the world. I close today with Paul's encouragement to the church in Corinth to depend solely on Jesus. Paul writes, since we have the same spirit of faith, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. It's not based on circumstance. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, circumstance, but to the things that are unseen, our new life in the Lord through Jesus Christ. Paul closes, things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.